Awesome. Well, I'm ready to share some from the Word of God this morning, and I know that uh, some of you probably don't have your Bibles under your arm, and so I'm going to help you out this morning, and we're going to share some things that I think are pretty important from God's Word. Uh, I'm going to keep it as short as I can because I know that some of you are in the beautiful sunlight, uh, some of you are in the shade, some of you are not, but uh, I'm going uh, to be careful not to overload you and understand that we're in a setting that you need it clear and concise, and I'm going to do my best today to do that. All right, that's why, now that's why I brought clips up here with me. I knew I was have some challenges with the wind. Aren't y'all glad for the wind, though? Who cares about pastor's notes? All right. Lord, we ask for your blessing on the word of God today because we know that it's only the word and the Holy Spirit that can truly change our lives. So we yield to you and to your authority today, and we ask that you would use, anoint, and bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, John Wesley, the great Methodist evangelist, once said that God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. That God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. We know that with God, all things are possible. But we also know that God responds to people who will pray in faith. Did you know that in a 2005 report, and the statistics are, I promise you, worse today than they were in 2005, Barna Institute reported that prayer, as they surveyed churches across this country, that prayer is said to be a top priority in less than 4% of the churches. Less than 4% of churches in America said prayer is a real priority for us. Doesn't that really cause you to pause for a moment and to say, oh, maybe that's a reason we have some of the challenges in our nation and the world that we are. Prayer is not a priority. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that we're living in a society that's growing more and more anti-Christian and post-Christian era than ever before. We're living in a society which many times declares right, wrong, and wrong, right. We're living in a culture where many of the people around us are living like God is dead, or at least he's irrelevant to their lives. I believe we're living in a critical time. The question I asked this morning is, how do we live for God in such a confused world? And we happen to be in the middle of a study that we're doing as we gather together on Sundays at our building. And those of you who are not normally apart wouldn't be connected to that, or maybe some of you have been streaming and following us. But we're studying through the book of 1 Timothy, which is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy, who is pastoring a church in a city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was a very similar place to what we find in the world today. It was a confusing place to leave, live in. It was declined morally. There were basically no moral absolutes in that city. They were in the midst of idolatry, and they worshipped sex fertility goddesses, built buildings to her honor. This is a city that was in need of Jesus Christ. And Timothy and others, along with Paul's help, had established a church there. And in this letter of 1 Timothy, Paul is offering Timothy advice on how he should lead. These were personal things, but also things that he should share with the church at Ephesus as a whole. And he's been talking to him already. We studied through the first chapter. And today I want to introduce an important couple of verses from the second chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read this twice because I know many of you may not be able to track 
and follow with me uh, with your Bibles, or you might not be able to see on your smart devices. <clears throat> so I'll read it twice. This is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6. All right, listen carefully. I urge you then, I urge you first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, for those that are in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. He wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Once again, the Paul writes to Timothy, I'm urging you today, first of all, underscore that, first of all, all petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for all people. But in particular, pray for those that are in authority, those who are kings and governors and presidents and those who are in authority in your life. Pray for them. Why? Because this is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everybody to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. For there is only one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for the sins of the world. You see... The Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy and to the church who lived in this difficult society, there's one thing I need to urge you about. Notice the word urge. It's a word that means to exhort, to challenge, to command. I urge you. I charge you. I'm pleading with you, Timothy and church. I'm asking you to, first of all, put a priority on prayer. Make prayer a priority for yourselves and the church. I'm sure that's not the first time that you've heard someone say that we ought to put a priority on prayer. But when Paul says, first of all, those are not throwaway words. Those were not wasted words. What he was saying is prayer should be a top priority of the church. It's not, prayer is not designed to be relegated only to your private life. Prayer is not designed to only take place on Tuesday nights. Prayer is not only when you gather together as a church on Sunday. Prayer is to be the ecosystem whereby we live in the attitude and the atmosphere of prayer. Doesn't the New Testament say we ought to pray all the time and everything at all times that we ought to be praying? But why is he placing such an emphasis on prayer? Because as Billy Graham said, the three secrets to successful ministry... Billy Graham, he has a little experience, right? He said there's three ingredients to any successful ministry at church. Prayer, prayer, and prayer. You see, prayer is the key to our oxygen, our spiritual oxygen. Prayer is the life breath of the church. Paul continues this call for prayer he says, I'm urging you, first of all, and then he gives us some very helpful specifics. And he describes for us four kinds of prayer. I think most of you who are here with me in the park today recognize that prayer is more simple than most people make it. Some people want to complicate it 
or some people want to traditionalize it. Some people think you have to have the right words and exactly the right posture and say, oh God, thou art. No, no, no. Prayer is simply communicating and talking to God. That's all prayer is. It's communication to God. But Paul says here, there's four different kinds of prayer I want to urge you to make. Notice that he lists them. He says, first of all, he says that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So what kind of prayers is he talking about? The book of Ephesians in chapter 6, Paul says we ought to pray at all times, pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayer. In other words, there's different kinds of prayer. It's all prayer. It's all communication with God. But it gives us a different slant and a few different rules and a few different ways that we can connect with God and make a difference in the world in which we live. So let me just highlight those four, if I may. Number one, we see the word supplications or petition. He said that's the first kind of prayer. What is supplication or petition? It is simply making a request and sharing a need with God. A petition is when you go to someone and you have a specific need, burden, and you have a request, you turn that need into a request of God. Did you know that God is inviting you and me to petition him for things? He is inviting you and me to ask him to bring our burdens, to bring our needs to him, and to look to him as our answer. We sang this morning what? God is faithful. How about you just say that with me? God is faithful. And the God who is faithful, that we see the evidence here today, God is so faithful, he's inviting you on a personal level and we, even as a body of believers, he's saying, make petitions. Bring the needs to me. Ask me. Because why? Prayer works. First of all, he says, you need to bring forth to me supplications and petitions. Uh, several years ago, we were in the process as a church. We were leasing facilities right up here off of Shoulders Hill Road. And we thought we'd be leasing it for five years. The Lord opened up an opportunity for us to possibly purchase, make a purchase of all the property that we we're on and all the commercial property. And so before we actually signed on the dotted line, we knew that we needed to get city permission as we're sitting here in the park that belongs to our city. And we knew that it required the city of Suffolk's approval and all the steps you go through. We began the process only to realize it was going to be a little bit more problematic than we estimated. In fact, we found people opposing having a church in their neighborhood. Regardless of their reasoning, which may have been very fair, we knew that we needed city permits in order to construct a larger facility to handle our growth. So we went through the process, but as we went through the process, we made a point of not just doing the political things, not just trying to twist arms for the city council or the the commissioners, the building commissioners, or, or whatever. We knew that the key was prayer. We knew we needed to petition God. So as a church, we agreed and asked God. We petitioned him. We made requests of God saying, God, would you give us favor, allow us to go this, through this process with a yes and an approval from the city council. Little did we know the amount of battle that would be involved spiritually and in other ways, and there was resistance, but the good news is what? God is faithful, and God answered our prayers and gave us 
the ability to make that land purchase, which we own today. The second kind of communication he mentions, first of all, are petitions. Secondly, he simply uses the general word prayers. He said, I, first, I want you to make petitions, but also prayers. The word there is a Greek word that is the most common word in all the New Testament for prayer. It simply means the spiritual discipline of praying, just praying, just like you normally would. So he's covering all the bases here. He said, make petitions, and then just make sure you're praying, communing, fellowshipping with God, spending time with God in prayer. And, and then he adds the third kind of prayer. He says, intercessions. You say, well, what, what is intercession? The word intercession means to take the needs of others before God. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our intercessor. Do you know that? Did you know that right now that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of Father God and he is actually interceding for you? He's praying for every one of you who are here this morning. He knows what's going on in your life and he's praying for you. And he is making intercession. He is standing between you and the answer to your problem. Jesus is our intercessor. But here we're invited to be intercessors ourselves. All Christians are not called to be intercessors in a formal way. But all of us are called to intercede. He said, first of all, make petitions, then prayers. Then he says, and then intercessions. In other words, there are needs of people. There are needs of, of cities. There are needs of countries that need us to stand in the gap in between the problem and in between the problem and God because we know that God has the answer and he's entreating us to come and to intercede. How many of you think, you say, I think I've done that at some point. If you've simply prayed for someone to come to Christ, or you've simply prayed for someone's needs to be met, or you've prayed for our nation or our city, you have been interceding, whether you know it or not. Let me give you a quick example, if I may, of successful intercession and results. Uh, I'm so pleased and excited today to introduce, uh, or at least feature, a family today that has received the focus of a lot of our intercession over the last year. May I ask the entire Carolino clan to stand, if I may. This is John, Ashley, Ayla, and Autumn. And some of you don't know what all has gone on, but this little child <clears throat> went through multiple surgeries. The doctors didn't all have good reports and had a huge cancerous tumor. And she is standing here today with her parents, along with her family that is intact, rejoicing because of the prayers of people who've been interceding. Isn't that good? Even the dog is saying amen. Hallelujah. Now, don't stop interceding for them, right? Keep interceding. The battle's not totally over, and they're still running this race, but what an incredible testimony today, and I wanted all of you to be able to rejoice with me today. God bless you, Carolinos. Thank you so much. So intercession, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and then lastly, he says, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Some of you say, wait a minute, that's my, that's my favorite holiday. Girl cuts my hair yesterday said, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I said, do you mind me asking you why? She didn't say anything about God. She said, it's the food. The food for Thanksgiving is just off the chain. That's why I love Thanksgiving. Well, you know what? Thanksgiving is actually something we're to do more than just Thanksgiving time. Thanksgiving is an attitude of gratitude that's expressed in words where we actually enter into thanks to God even before we see the answer. 
while we're praying and petitioning and interceding, we're also adding in the component of thanksgiving. We're saying, God, thank you so much for hearing my prayer today. I'm thanking you so much for that answered prayer. By faith, we're standing today for whatever that need is. That's thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting, the four kinds of prayer that Paul would mention here to the church and to Timothy, he'd include thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is critical. If you go down just a couple more verses Paul says, he's talking about public worship, and he says, and I want everybody all in all the churches, I want all the men to make sure that they're standing in church with hands raised towards God. I know there's some people that don't, aren't comfortable raising your hands in church, but Paul said, I want men everywhere to be raising their hands with their hearts right with God and their hands lifted. Why was he saying that? Because of the importance of praise and thanksgiving because of the importance of having a life of thanksgiving before God. The Bible says in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Do you see that additive? With thanksgiving, do what? Make your requests known to God. God wants us to learn the power of giving thanks. It also helps your attitude. Can I hear an amen? Yes, it does. So now the question comes, okay, we've, we've learned what kind of prayer he's challenging us to be involved with. He's told us it ought to be a priority, but now we answer the question, well, who are we supposed to be praying for? You've told us to intercede. You've told us to petition. What are we supposed to pray for? And he actually, in these verses, tells us exactly what he wants us to pray for. He says, pray for all people. Pray for all people and pray for kings and those in authority. Notice that prayers are to be made for who? All men, all people. How many of you know everybody needs prayer? There's a neighbor that lives close to you that needs your prayers. Church, there is a community that needs prayer. There are people who are addicted to have addictive cycles and patterns in their life that need prayer, need help. There are people who are living in darkness today, even our own community, not to mention the unreached parts of the world, that they need prayer. We're talking about this Afghan refugee uh, center not too far from here. Do you think that they need prayer? He said, pray, all of you, make these prayers, petitions, supplications, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Make it for all men because everybody needs it. And then he tells us, don't forget to include the king. And all of those who are in spiritual authority, authority of any kind. Some of you might think that you might read through that and immediately glance over that. Can I just tell you something about who the person in charge at that moment was? Some of you are history majors or you know history very well. You would recognize the name Emperor Nero. Nero. If you know anything at all about history about Nero, you know this. He was a wicked, wicked leader. He was the emperor of Rome. He was a man that was so wicked, he even had his own mother and brothers executed just so he could secure his throne. He was known for taking anybody who was a Christian, and he ordered that their bodies would be dipped in hot wax and set them on fire, using the light of the fire to simply light his dinner parties. This is a wicked man with blood-stained hands, and yet we are told what? Pray 
for those in authority. You see, we need to pray for those who are in authority, whether it be on the local level or the state level or the, or the national level. We need to pray for people who have governing authority over our lives, over our country. May I say to you directly as I can, uh, I know that we have challenges in our nation, but there is no one in any level that matches Nero. There is nobody. I'm aware of that matches that man's evil. And yet they were told to what? Pray and intercede for him. It'll do you good. It'll end up good if you'll do that. We're not to pray for the Democrats. We're not to pray for the Republicans. We're not to pray politically, but we're to pray for whoever is in authority over us. Can I hear an amen? So these are not Trump prayers. These are not Biden prayers. Are y'all hearing me? These are spiritually led, prompted prayers as we pray for those who are in authority over us. And that applies to every single level. And it goes on to say, and anybody who is authority over you. Now, why should we do this as I wrap up? The scripture gives us very clear reasons. Let me read it, that part again. It said, for this is good, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. In godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. So why should we pray? Why should we make prayer such a priority? Let me give you these brief reasons. Number one, because it will result a life that is marked by peace and tranquility. If we will pray for those that are in government, if we'll pray for kings and presidents and senators and, and, and judges and governors, governors and representatives if we'll pray and persist in prayer interceding and praying it will change the atmosphere that we live in i don't believe it's god's purpose nor design for us to live in the midst of craziness it's got not god's plan that some of the things that are going on in our culture today go on but you might say well how do we change it you can fill in the blanks for yourself, but I'll tell you one answer that I know is true, and that is we're called to pray. And if we'll simply pray, we're promised that what? If we'll pray for those in authority, it will filter down to the world we live in. How many of you would like to just, how many, I, I've said over the last couple of years, I've said, Lord, can I just have a peaceful life? Lord, can you just, can you just calm, just allow me just to be quiet? Can, can you quiet the noise? Has anybody else prayed? That? Lord, just quiet the noise and let me have a peaceful, tranquil life. You know what the Lord said? Are you doing this? If you're doing this, first of all, making those prayers, it will set the stage for the kind of live and let live existence under authority. That is available for you and for me. I don't believe God wants to live us us to live under any kind of threat of government we live in a wonderful country it's based upon freedom but if you want to make a difference pray for those that are in authority secondly the second reason first of all because it'll help lead it'll mark the kind of life you're going to live number two because god says it's pleasing he says right there in verse four for this praying in this way making prayer a priority this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior it's good. It's pleasant. God said it's good. If God said it's good, that settles it. So we ought to do it. 
third reason we ought to do it is because God desires that all be saved. Look what he says. He says, who desires to God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is yet one God and only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice and a ransom for all people. The third reason is because God wants everyone to be saved. This ought to be our ultimate motivation to pray for others. The first way we ought to pray for them is we ought to need to pray that for people's spiritual lives to, to be real. What a pray for people, whether they're in government, whether they're in neighborhoods, whether they're in their community, we need to pray that people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the beginning point. We need to pray for people to be saved. That's our ultimate motivation for prayer. Now, we can pray for other things. Make sure you're praying for people to be saved. How much time have you and I spent working through a list of people that we know are unchurched or dechurched or agnostic or don't want to do anything, anything to do with God? You need to pray for them. Are we really making that a priority? I hope that you'll join me in saying, Lord, I'm going to begin to do that. I'm going to begin to pray for this person, that person, our leaders to be born again. Paul is saying here that prayerful life is good because it is simply God's way of opening up people to salvation. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. God does not want anybody to perish. It says that God wants all people to be saved. But listen to me carefully. God wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody will be saved. Unfortunately, the flip side is simply this. There are those who do not put faith in Jesus Christ, who not surrender their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ and accept the free eternal gift of salvation. They will not be saved. Their life will not change. Unfortunately, they will not enjoy eternity with God. So God wants everybody. God's heart is for everybody to have a personal relationship with him. But they have to choose it by faith. You say, well, what's my part? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We'll be responsive and we'll be ready to share with those who have need. God clearly here tells us he wants everybody to say, be saved. I like what Ray Stedman said. He said, prayer is the first artillery salvo that opens up a territory for people to possess it for God. When we pray for people, we can expect that they will hear truth. We need to pray that the ground will be prepared so when they hear truth, they'll be responsive to it unbelievers, those that don't have a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their eyes. They're walking around blindly. No wonder they're stumbling around because their eyes are blind. Spiritual eyes are blind. You say, well, what can we do? Prayer pierces the blindness of their eyes and opens them up to the truth of God's love for their life. Why should we pray? Why should it be a priority for these reasons that I've shared with you today? There is only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. Yes, I know that that's no longer politically correct among some circles, but I'm convinced that as the Bible teaches, there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that Jesus is one of the ways to God. It doesn't even teach that Jesus is the best way to God. It teaches unequivocally that there's only one way to God, only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus. I said Jesus is the only way. It may not be popular, but that is a foundation for our faith, and we need to pray for others. Let me close with a story about a man named George Mueller. 
who was from Germany. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He was primarily known for his Christian orphanages that he opened up. The fact that he was a man of great faith and knew how to pray in large sums of money. George Mueller was also a man of prayer. He had two of his best friends that didn't know Jesus. Two of his best childhood friends. History tells us that George Mueller prayed every day interceding for his friends to come to Christ. He prayed for 60 years. 60 years for them to be saved. One of them, one month before George Miller died, he accepted Jesus Christ. The other friend, only after George Miller was on his deathbed, did he make a decision for Jesus Christ. I'm impressed by the persistence of someone praying for someone else to be saved for 60 years. We get upset if we haven't seen an answer in six months. Am I right? We petition. We intercede and we get upset if we don't have instantaneous magic wand results. I'm here to tell you today, based upon the Bible, that prayer needs to be made first in your life. Communicating with God is the first way not only to make a difference for you, to make a difference in the world in which we live. I'm going to ask if you would at this time to stand to your feet. I'm going to wrap our service up with a prayer, an invitation. And if you're available to pray for people who may need prayer this morning, uh, would you just come and stand here at the front? There's plenty of room here and face the audience, face all the tents and available. So before, listen, after the prayer, after this song, we're going to sing a closing song. I'll tell you about the food. All right. So don't get anxious. It's all going to be good. So no food's going to be served until I get done with you. All right. So we have those prayer teams that are coming forward to be available to pray. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. At this moment, if you just listen very carefully to me, first and foremost, do you personally have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? I don't care about religious stuff. I don't care about how many churches you've been to. All I care about is whether or not you've had a genuine decision to follow after Jesus Christ as resulting and a change of your heart. That is what it means to be born again. If you've never done that or you're not sure, I'm going to pray for you this morning. And after I pray for you, I'm going to ask that you walk up here and talk to one of these couples and tell them how you prayed with me this morning. So I'll pray with you in just a moment. There are those of you who are standing. Honestly, you know Jesus. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. But this morning, you have heard a message that talks about the priority of prayer. And you're the first to say, Lord, I've not made prayer a priority. I've been loose, undisciplined. I just haven't prayed like I need to pray. I don't know any Christian that wouldn't want to admit that. But may I also just ask God to strengthen you in your decision. I challenge you, make prayer a priority from this point on. And I'm going to pray for you that you'll be able to walk that out. If you're here this morning and you need prayer in any area of your life, would you just raise your hand high? any area of your life, just raise it high. Say, Pastor, as you pray this prayer, include me. No matter what your need is, all over hands are up. You can put them down. I'm going to pray when I get through praying. If you need prayer specifically and you want to report a decision you've made for Christ today, you come and let one of these prayer teams pray with you this morning. Would you bow your head with me right now as I pray? Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you would minister to hearts 
by your Spirit, drawing us to you. For those that are here in this amphitheater at this moment, who do not have a personal relationship with you, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them and woo them and love them into a relationship today. I pray that right now that they would pray this prayer with me. Those that have been living lives marginalized and their commitment hasn't been what it should, I pray that they would also agree with this prayer right now. And all the saints can pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I ask for your forgiveness. I haven't put you first place. And today I'm accepting your work through Christ for my life. You died on the cross. You were raised from the dead for me to have new life. Today, I choose that new life. I embrace it, I accept it, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.